Hey guys, and welcome back to the OPD podcast with Joe and Austin. It is this month's Q&A episode. Are we calling it November Q&A? October? Because we're, yeah. like, we're always a few weeks ahead, aren't we? Yeah, we'll call it November. I mean, by the time it comes out. I noticed in the last episode that I put out earlier this week, we were talking about um, like first time of time during the show. And I was like, holy shit, they're like halfway through their off-season now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, we'll post up. I post up stuff sometimes. Hey, we recorded this today. And they're like, when's it coming out? I'm like, I don't know, like a month from now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or longer. I don't know what happened. That, um, that mini cut one, though, like in the order of like my Zoom recordings, that was like the next up. But then I looked at, um, somehow it had got lost in there because I looked at, we just put one out with, um, was it Will Bassnet? Or I can't remember the last one that we did. Yeah. And, um, I was like, oh, we recorded that like two months later. I've messed up there. But um, there's only a few in the bank now. So I know that we're never more than three weeks ahead now. Yeah, because we had, we had a couple weeks there where we were both really busy. So we didn't record. Mm. Should be back. Um, Literally after this yeah. weekend, that's um, me done for England shows. I've got a client competing in show in Texas. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I'm sure it's Texas on November the 13th. Um, yeah, it's in Austin, November the 13th. Yeah. And then I'm done for shows this year. Thank God, man, because I've, I've had the last... Oh man, I think every weekend for the last three or four months I've had to travel to a show. It's been terrible. Yeah, yeah. Mine just finished last week or two weeks ago. Was the last one for the year. And then in the U.S., there won't really be any more shows until probably like February or March. Yeah, that's the same as here now. We're we're done until March. Um, it's tough, isn't it, as a coach? Because like. I'll I'll do check-ins all day, Monday to Friday, slammed, and then I'll travel to a show. So you travel in and, um, you know, this is very mentally exhausting. And then maybe I'm back Sunday night and then Monday mornings you're back to work and it accumulates, doesn't it, that fatigue? Yeah, and it's, there's no, there is no Monday through Friday. They, people don't, people don't understand. They think we just like sit at home and look at memes all day. <laughs> I'm sure some guys do. <laughs> well, that's true. Some of them probably do. Making <laughs> memes all day, fuck you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. um, let's roll into the question. So, um, Austin put a question box up on Instagram and Facebook. I don't know if you've checked out the questions, um, but we'll not really. No. Kinda. We'll be freestyling. I haven't had a chance because. Um, our time zones are even further out now, aren't they? Like I'm only just um, getting around to finishing the first block of work now. And so you would have put it out at a strange time for me, wouldn't you? Um, well, I actually forgot last night and then I'm like, Oh shit. So it was, it was like 10 PM. Like I better put this out before I go to bed. So I didn't have any, so it was only out from about 10 30 last night until this morning when I woke up. Mm. Is it, I think you've got a few on there, though, haven't you? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some on Instagram. I have a couple on Facebook, too. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we, got, we have questions, and should be good. Cool. Okay, that's wrong. Okay. 
let's see. I'm going to just start on the Facebook one. That's fine. So <laughs> first question, you'll like this one. What's the lowest dose of trinanthate to run that will give you the most favorable ratio with the least side effects? Ratio. <laughs> ratio, I guess ratio of side effects to muscle gain. That's oh. a, a <laughs> that's a I don't mean to laugh, I'm not mean to laugh at the question, but that's that's like one of those that one milligram. Yeah, literally <laughs> one milligram. <laughs> I mean I you know, I don't know. I don't know how else you can really answer that. I suppose that the correct answer would be as much as you can until you have side effects, perhaps. Yeah, I think that's difficult because there's a little bit of context within that specific individual's like favorability. Like there's some there's some pretty crazy bodybuilders that will trade off some harsh, deleterious health effects and side effects for what they would consider to be favorable return on investment. I'll give you um, right. an overall outline, slightly based on anecdote and slightly based on clinical data. If you look at when Tremblone was in human deployment, we're talking about 50 milligrams every 10 days in uh, uh, of the, right. uh, I think it was 70 milligrams of the hex in um, uh, of, of the hex um, ester, 50 milligram cleaved. Um, total amount of androgen i personally tend to run 50 milligrams of trembolone in nanthate in clients that are in rather large deficits and that may roll up to 100 milligrams if the deficit is higher um and that's as high as i would use trembolone i don't personally use it in a surplus with any client so between 50 and 100 milligram per week is about as far as i take uh, trembolone yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement. I think that dose, that dose you're going to get a noticeable benefit from, and it's probably going to have pretty minimal knock on um, health, but you bring up a good point. Like it's, I, I think it would be depend on what you consider deleterious in terms of side effects. Like, are we talking, are we talking noticeable? Cause I mean, realistically, internally you you are probably having some kind of skew in lab work to some extent but you might not feel that right mm. you might not see that so i think i think if you're expecting to feel or see something you're probably going to have to use a lot more before you would notice a side effect and at that point you're probably using way too much yeah so you know. more more definitely does more so if you don't give a shit use more you know that's it's your autonomy as a, as a you know conscious human being to do so but for my personal risk to reward and my clients yeah about 50 to 100 milligram per week is sufficient in terms of attenuating muscle protein breakdown um and there, there's other anabolics that do other stuff that they do like um transcribing anabolism at the androgen receptor just as good as trembolone with a, a lower knock-on health. So, as I'd recommend that you stretch it, but do with that information as you please, you know? Exactly. Okay, so let's see what the second one is. Um, I see a lot of people, so they say a lot of people, but then they say like JP. So, I mean, I, I imagine maybe just JP. <laughs> uh, 
I like when they say I see a lot of people. Normally it's not a lot, but anywho, uh, two running 250 test E a week and 700 primo or thereabouts. And they claim the results are great with low side effects, but primo is so expensive. Could this be swapped for another compound? Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, you could, sure. I mean, surely you could use something pretty close. So like Mastron would be probably the closest compound, but I mean, again, like that's pretty contextual. What's that? See that alone, that 700 milligrams of non-aromatizing compound with 250 tests might be a pretty aggressive, um, a pretty aggressive kind of A to E ratio for a lot of people. Yes. Right. I don't, so they, you say low sides, which, yeah, I mean, that might be true, but you might actually have a better result with just as few sides or less if you had run, if you actually had allowed a little more aromatization in that ratio there. Yeah. So, um, but, but again, like, is there people that need to run 250 to 700 type ratio? Yeah, probably. But it's probably a bit aggressive for most people. I would venture to say. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, man. I mean, break down a few things in this question. Like a lot of people claim. Um, I mean, nobody's not going to get good results using 250 milligrams of testosterone that's aromatizing into estradiol. So you've got 250 milligrams of total net androgen load there that also has um, <clears throat> contributions at the estrogen receptor. So. That's a lot of anabolism plus 700 milligrams of a DHT derivative also binding at the androgen receptor and doing lots of cool. It's anabolism. 950, you know? Nine, yes, 950 milligrams of anabolic. <laughs> Very few people that won't get great results there. Um, and the other compound that's going to be most like that is going to be Masteron, as Austin said. Um, potentially a little less tissue selective than primobolum, but you know, just as anabolic milligram per milligram. So that's fine. Um, but Austin, you touch on a great point with the androgen to estrogen ratio, but let me speak quickly about inter-individuality for JP. Um, JP specifically runs A to E ratios like that to um, allow almost a low estrogen environment because he hates holding a lot of extracellular fluid. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not saying that Primobolin is an aromatase inhibitor or something like this because it's not your your total blood serum estradiol is going to be the same with that amount of testosterone on its own as compared to adding the primobolin. Although I will say all androgens have a very low binding affinity for the aromatase enzyme. Um, very low though. Um, so JP does that purposely and would probably get better hypertrophy. And I think he would admit that with more testosterone and potentially less primobolum for the same androgen load um, and could potentially even feel better when we're talking neurologically or libido wise right. and things like this but the fluid retention is a serious problem for him um, so you want to you know yeah use 950 milligrams of total androgens and split that between some amount of testosterone and some amount of DHT derivative yeah you're going to get fabulous results like 99% of people will unless you're sure. a responder, you may just want to run that ratio a little bit different for you. Yeah. See, I don't, I didn't know that about JP. So like, that's, you know, I don't have that context. And because the first thing I, 
like you, the first thing I do when I look at this is I see 950 milligrams of androgens is what I see, right? Like they say with low sides, well, I still see 950 milligrams of androgens, which could absolutely cause a fair amount of side effects in some people, but also what do you deem a side effect? Yes. So for JP claims low side effects. So in his mind, that lack of water retention is low side effect, right? Mm -hmm. But does that mean that they're, that it's not impacting other things like your lipids perhaps, right? Of mm -hmm. course it is. I mean, anything over a normal physiological dose is going to have some impact if you do it for any period of time, mm -hmm. right? So, so I guess would be like, what are the, what side effects are you talking about? Cosmetically, do you hold less water? Of course. But I would almost say that um, in terms of health, if we want to, if we want to use that term, I don't know if that's the, the, I don't know if that's the right term, but we want to talk about health specifically. I would probably say you would be healthier running a higher aromatizing stack. Yeah. Um, because it's just, you're lacking estrogen in this scenario. Right. So, um, and you, and you said that already, I think, I think that's kind of the point I'm driving home is that there's a difference between a visual side effect or something like gynecomastia risk or something like that versus neurological and, you know, uh, physiological side effects to your blood, you know, blood markers. Mm -hmm. those, those two things are not the same. Absolutely. You could look, you could hold a lot very little water on having no estrogen in your body and uh, probably not be very healthy. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, you know, it's funny, I was thinking about this earlier because pretty common for that design now to like set testosterone at this two to three milligram per kilogram and climate premium, I think, because you know, I was doing with clients. But what I think people don't realize is it's not just constant addition to the primo. We're always looking at biofeedback to move up the testosterone when necessary to maintain a favorable A to E ratio as well. Something that I've just gone through with Gareth this week, actually, that he put on Physique Collective that he noticed his libido had started to drop off as we were climbing up the primo and we swung the ratio around <clears throat> a little bit. I think we added yep. 100 milligrams of test and we moved 100 milligrams of primo to the same net androgen load and straight away felt loads better. Yeah, well, because once you find that ratio, you can kind of use it, use it for the most part as you titrate up, mm. you know, um, and I do see that in people and even just um, pushing SHBG too low mm. can have, you know, can have side effects like I've seen that in several people. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you're running your stack went from it started off at maybe a one-to-one -one where you had 250 test, 250 primo, and you continue to titrate up. Now you have 800 primo and 250 tests still, Yeah. right? So I, um, that's, a, that's a problem. <laughs> I actually accidentally did this myself in the last couple of weeks. So I, I was using 250 milligrams of testosterone with... Um, 250 milligrams of primo. So a straight one-to-one -one for a 500 milligram androgen load total. Um, and I went and got my blood work done with the blood lab. And my testosterone was 28 N mole, which is 
near the top of the physiological range, not, uh, you know, 250 milligrams doesn't actually put me super physiological. That's another word for biological into individuality. And if anybody wants to see this blood work, it's on my log on the Physique Collective form. Um, <clears throat> but my estradiol was actually just below the range. Um, so, and my SHBG was very low. Um, so I had a feeling this was going to come back because I had some like sleep disturbances. My libido started to drop off a bit since I moved to this dose. So then I just swung that to 350 tests, 150 primo for my 500 milligram total. And, you know, 10 days later, straight away, feel so much better. Um, it's quite interesting for such a low dose. You'd think that one-to-one -one ratio would work, but you have to factor in that biological inter-individuality in there. You know, for me, 250 milligram of testosterone doesn't even get me into the normal physiological range of estradiol because um, I'm a very sort of low aromatizer and not even above the physiological range of tests. So there needs to be some manipulations in there um, to allow me to sit comfortably, even on lower dosages, although 500 milligram isn't really a lower dose. Um, so yeah, um, track and adjust, I guess, would be the best advice. So this has my, this has my, my uh, brain churning a little bit, because now I'm thinking like, the, he uses this word, um, low side effect, and it kind of like, is non-contextual. Like they even, because I mentioned SHBG, and if you do some research on SHBG suppression, you'll see links to causing like metabolic syndrome, insulin mm -hmm. resistance, all kinds, there's a lot of downsides to that. So that's why these ratios do matter a lot more. Well, and, and then even to that token, we know that estrogens present uh, positive benefits towards mm. insulin sensitivity, right? So, I mean, again, like I think, I think that the word side effect is not um is not really used correctly by a lot of people right because they're they're mostly looking at cosmetic side effects yes. aka water retention gynecomastia things like that when in reality they're completely ignoring what's what that you know really skewed ratio is doing to you internally so something to think about for sure so People's immediate right. concern is always acne, gyno, right. hair loss, when really it should be neurotoxicity, metabolic issues, renal issues, cardiovascular issues. That needs to be top of the list. Yeah, I mean, just like a, you know, SHPG, lowering SHPG can, can lower, is, is really associated with low HDL levels. And we already know low HDL is an issue with raising anabolics anywhere above, you know, normal physiological dose. So like, it's just, um, I think there's a little uh, or a lot of context that gets missed on the whole like side effect side of things. Mm. Okay, so... Well, there we go. Now we went a little, a little sideways on that one, but that's okay. Here, here's a more broad question, a little less uh, sciencey, perhaps. Biggest tips for a first-time young competitor doing their first natural show? Some tips. 
you have any tips? Who asked this question? Who asked? It is, let's see. Their name. Oh man, I'm gonna butcher this. Peron, Peran. Oh, um, Perrin Tusty. You know yep, that's the one. Oh, do you know what? I thought you were gonna say that. It's weird. I don't know why. I don't know why I that. Okay. I don't this uh, I don't know that they uh, I don't know that I've seen them on here, so you know them. I um I met this guy at Train with Intent Gym in Stafford. Okay. I've seen a bit of his uh, stuff before. He logs on the Physique Collective site. He works with, you know, Steve, the freak, Steve Phillips, who I coach. Uh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yep. Uh, he works with Steve. This, uh, this kid is, um, I'll put it out here now, going to be an unreal bodybuilder. I couldn't believe it when he told me he was natural, and I couldn't believe it when he told me his age. Unreal shape and size. And, I mean, it sounds like I'm blowing smoke up his ass now, but very intelligent and engaging with his questions. Um, you know, when I met him at the gym, he was throwing questions at me, left, right, and center, really eager to learn about stuff and, you know, taking opportunities. So I think he's, uh, he's going to be really, really good. Um, anyway, sorry. Aside from that, was the question tips? Um, yeah, just general tips for first time for first show for a natural competitor. And that's, I actually just looked at his Instagram. Man, he looks, he's gonna be really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very talented, but also very, um, I think it's rare when you find someone that's very genetically talented, but also incredibly eager to optimize outcomes as well. 100%, I mean, that's, and that's what creates that's what you, that's where you go from good to great. Right. Because I mean, you usually see one of two things there's genetically gifted and they maybe lack a little bit in the optimization department because they just have never had to. And they maybe fall a little short, but then you get that occasional person that, or, or on the flip side, like you have other people that have m mediocre to poor genetics that optimize everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Me, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, tips. <laughs> okay, um, this year I coached more first timers than any year. I had loads. Um, so a bit of anecdotal experience coming from these guys because a lot of the questions that I got from them was, "Man, am I supposed to feel this tired?" Am I supposed to be this hungry? Uh, am, are my calories lower than everyone else's? Am I doing more cardio? Um, before you even start, I would come to terms with the fact that you're going to be really uncomfortable for quite a long time. because It's going to be your first time getting it down all the way, which is always the hardest. Um, practice emotionally divorcing from those feelings before you've even got them um just you know mentally coming to terms with the fact that it's gonna hurt and you're gonna be really hungry and really tired and it's gonna be the hardest thing that you've ever done probably but accepting it is key cool yeah i i agree with that i think okay so 
I'll add a little bit. Um, I think it is important to uh, not to think ahead too much, but also post-show is going to be really difficult, really difficult your first time. I think everyone gets to the show or they're close to the show and they're very, they're very motivated and they're very focused and they, they're looking forward to post-show, right? Because they're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to grow. This is going to be my first post-show period. And then they get hit with these uh, really bizarre hunger cues and feelings and things where the body's trying to regain that homeostasis, right? Things that they've never felt before, right? Assuming that they've never died into like really low body fat. So that's tough. So I think making sure that you have, if you work with a coach, making sure that they maybe stay with them post-show. Um, keep your, keep in mind that you're going to be experiencing probably some compulsive type of urges because your dopamine levels aren't really where they should be. And it's a really bizarre time. Like it's, it's funny. I mean, it's not really funny, but I, I, I notice this a lot. The first time competitor, they tell me, Oh, I'll be fine. They're really motivated and all this. And I'm like, listen, you have no idea what's coming. And then four weeks post show, they're like, well, I, I just ate my, my face off for four weeks and I'm in a terrible spot and I'm depressed and I'm inflamed and I feel like shit. Now, what do I do? You know, so <laughs> being, being ready to get through that uh, post-show period is also really important. Um, yeah. So you're going to have a, and even just towards the end of the show, and there's a lot of weird, the body's pretty smart. And, you know, in terms of like neurotransmitters and things, you, you get a lot of weird, like compulsive behaviors. Like, weren't we joking about Christian buying a cars during prep? Yeah. Well, that's a, just a dopamine driven <laughs> And need right. Dopamine. Exactly. <laughs> right. There's just, yeah. I mean, exactly. Like it's you, your body is like going to all these compulsive addictive behaviors because you lack do dopamine. Right. So yeah, my, I guess my point is that you'll have some weird, you're going to have some weird things going on. So try to be as logical and sensible as you can and with your decisions. Yeah, I think alongside uh, alongside those things as well as the um, the sort of is that it? Is it over now? Like the kind of lost, almost depression that comes post show with like, well, it's over now, you know. And I think goal setting immediately or prior to the end of your prep is very important. Like have the next phase planned um like i'll usually send a phase periodization sheet over to clients post show they'd be like right we've got this post show period to get through and if we do that properly then in six seven eight weeks time whatever it is then we get here and this is where the growth phase starts and it's like okay right i've got to nail this phase because then i can get to the growth phase because it's a stepping stone you know you can't absolutely explode post show gain 30 pounds of fat be super insulin resistant and then say, cool, now we grow, you know, you'll just have to clean that up again. I think having that goal set immediately, like, right, uh, I've got, I didn't place this year, so I need the growth phase perfectly to place next year. Or I've got first place at the first time I showed, I've got to move up to men's now, I've got to do open now. 
and I need this growth phase, so I need to get there properly. Having those kind of goals, I think, is important to kind of weigh through that immediate what now kind of feeling. That almost, because the dopamine hit, you know, we talk dopamine, when you're on that stage, it's like bang, right? And then you get off, you go back to your hotel, and you have no immediate goal. You'll feel very lost. Um, and that's when the kind of overeating, poor patterns uh, begins, I think. Um, yep, agreed. Do agree. Okay. Let's see. We have a few. We have a couple more here, maybe. Let's see. A few more, perhaps. Okay. Um, huh. This is the one that I tagged you in this morning because I was commenting on it. I just happened to see it. You two always promoted. I didn't like the word always, right? <laughs> you two always promoted high. AAS use while bulking and lower minimum AAS use while cutting. That's <laughs> not true. That's not true at all, actually. Yeah, 100% not true. Yeah, could there be no, could there be validity? Uh, could there still be validity? And in which cases where a growth phase could be pushed with minimum anabolics and plenty of food and then the subsequent cut be on higher AAS? See, that's actually. No. Okay. <laughs> right. I think there needs to be a load of context put into this one. Right? Because uh, I think I could probably answer this pretty easily. Like any okay. any drug deployment is needs based. It's that simple. You have to assess the need, the current needs of yourself or the client, and then the pharmacology dosing needs to reflect that. So when, when this person says that we always promoted high anabolic steroid use in a growth phase, I'd probably say uh, I can understand the confusion of the interpretation, but rather what anabolic androgenic steroids are good at is driving anabolism. And the greatest right. utility of that is going to be when that's the goal, like you need to drive protein accretion to grow new muscle tissue. So yeah, maybe a growth phase would be reflective of using higher anabolic androgenic steroid use than another phase. Um, however, a needs basis, right? What if you're on a contest prep and the protein turnover ratio is pretty skewed? You know, muscle protein breakdown contributions are pretty high because you're extremely lean. Well, then maybe then you will require higher anabolic androgenic steroid use than the early part of a growth phase, maybe when, you know, you've got quite a bit of anabolism just being driven up through small increases in androgens and stuff like that. So context, right. important, the, the, or what if it's a, you know, a maintenance phase, what, what are the drugs there? Well, they're just enough to maintain. And then on a dieting phase, the drugs need to reflect what the risk of muscle loss is, which could be anything from a PRT dose right up to, pretty high dosing depending on the client and the size of the deficit and in a growth phase the drugs need to reflect the needs of the individual to drive the anabolism required so it's just a needs basis it's not about higher here or lower there you know yeah yeah exactly so you and you know if we're talking about hypertrophy that and this is where this is where i think people just lack a general understanding of what do these compounds do the, what, what, they help you grow muscle, <laughs> essentially, right? I mean, that's that is what they are designed 
to do well and you know in medical sense they're designed for like muscle wasting diseases and various things like that but we know that they help you grow muscle so this idea of using a lot more in a deficit versus when you're growing muscle has never made sense to me no. personally no. right and and on top of that what do these what do these compounds do in terms of a deficit they prevent protein breakdown they're helping you you know retain muscle right and then maybe giving you some cosmetic effect we've talked about this we did the contest prep episode so you can watch that but if you listen to the contest prep episode the way that we generally design it is kind of the same as we would design it in the off season is that we are titrating up as the deficit increases and as the risk of muscle loss increases mm -hmm. the dose matches that risk right okay and the dose also matches some risk of side effect profile of obviously not like making the person look worse and inflamed and, and too systemically stressed so that's kind of how that works so it's not that they're using less in a contest prep it's just that you're using an amount that is needed to retain the muscle of that person depending on how big they are depending on what their previous usages have been, depending on their inter-individuality, depending on how severe the prep itself is, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so that was the only question that I happened to catch, and I commented on it, and I said, always, and uh, what did I say? I said, using the words always and uh, higher is a bit misleading. Yeah, I think this is the problem with social media. Like I've had it this week. Somebody commented on a podcast that I did with Cuba, like, this is the guy that scams people into buying SEO. I was thinking, scam, firstly. I thought scams when you're steal money off people, in it? Um, he's obviously talking about Metaform. Um, thinking, well, yeah, right, our shows are sponsored by Metaform that isn't even a site enhancement oil, and we've done plenty of podcasts right. where we go through exactly what it is, but you know, somewhere down the line, someone interprets something um, a bit differently with no context, and then suddenly you're a scammer selling synthol or something. <laughs> you know? Right. That's, yeah. I, so yeah, key when we're talking about drugs and things like this. We were hundred. We're always hundred percent open as to what it does and what you should and shouldn't expect from it. So yeah. I don't. There, there's no. There's never a lack of context in the way that we answer questions, the lack of context in the questions themselves. You know, it's just, but yeah, because I did, <laughs> I did comment on this one and um, some, someone else said, indeed, I have the same observation. I always wondered if they meant gen pop or competing clients, since I can think of good arguments to use greater amounts during cutting phases. Well, what would the argument be? Yeah, I'm sure we've never said, right, every every bodybuilder in prep should straight TRT it to the end. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. none of our clients would actually place well if we did that. Uh, I, yeah. So um, that one, that one needed a little more, uh, a little more explaining, but you could probably, you could probably make an argument that if you were to titrate up in a growth phase and you were titrating up in a contest prep phase, the ending dose would probably be somewhere within a reasonably close distance of each other. Yeah, by I, the end. I would say so. I normally end for the same. 
aim for the same sort of milligram per kilogram, but then just by virtue of the individual dieting, it's usually a little bit less. Um, sure. So, yeah, I mean, across the board with clients this year, you know, I've probably finished preps a little bit lower than their off seasons were than their last off seasons. Um, but those high level competitive guys, like that aren't like mini cutting and stuff, like, yeah, like I will probably roll for a growth phase and they'll accumulate and then we'll be maintenance phases where their doses are lowest and then we'll slowly accumulate through a prep. Um, but then that, because that suits the context, if I've got somebody that isn't a higher level competitor, that's just dieting in between their growth phases. No, of course I wouldn't use higher dosages of androgens because risk of muscle loss is basically none. And then if we're not, using lower doses of androgens then then when are we using lower doses of androgens i know that's yeah never. they like right yeah well that's a different topic i mean they just it, it would be like phases okay so it would be like weeks of the year right which is nothing great that's you know i suppose if that's what you want to do but i wouldn't advocate that but you know the Oh, it's like it's like a pro a pro bodybuilder, for example, competes at the same show every year, tries to qualify for the Olympia. It's like, yeah, they of course they use more in their dieting phases. They don't have a growth phase. Yeah, you know, they don't have one. They're the same fucking size every year. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I mean, more or less, they make maybe subtle improvements. I mean, there are there are situations where some of those guys do make big improvements, but the ones that have been at that kind of like peak level for a while, they generally don't change that much. They maybe get more conditioned or they're fuller for a show or something, right? But it's not like it's not like they're putting 20 pounds on their stage weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so yeah. And this and this isn't even this isn't even taking into consideration other avenues by which we're promoting hypertrophy or lipolysis like we're not even talking about any of the other you know mechanisms yeah that we might employ right metabolic pathways to be working through here that are also um deployed on a needs basis right so you know and in prep and in prep we may employ other you know other kind of mechanisms versus uh, you know, in a growth phase, obviously, because we're not trying to lose body fat. We're not trying to like mobilize fatty acids. Like that's not our goal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a questions like that. I don't, not, not that it bothers me or anything, but I don't, but it does, it is kind of bothersome that that's what they would gather by us doing hundreds of episodes yeah. of, <laughs> I'm like, really? That's what you got out of that? Yeah, well, you know, it's a good, um, <laughs> like, use that opportunity when someone commented on Cuba's podcast on me, or this is an opportunity of, like, sometimes people will tell me stuff about other coaches, and I've got to think, hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. how, how true is that? Because there's also a lot of stuff about me that I know is not true, so I'm not going to take that one at face value, you know? Right. So one of the questions I ask on my initial intake form is have you had any negative experiences with other coaches? And most people think I'm asking about that because I want to know about other coaches. That's actually not it. I don't 
care, right, about that. I am more so gathering information about them, yeah. right? It's like if you – a lot of the time – not to say a lot of the time, but some of the time those negative experiences aren't because of the coach. No. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. I mean, yeah, let's not, let's not like pretend that they aren't, but we also know that it could very well be the client. Like if I'm, if I'm asking that question, they're like, yeah, I've had five coaches in the last two years. That's a problem. Mm. Mm. You know, potentially, potentially that's a problem. Especially when it's somebody that, um, like for example, if I get an inquiry, yeah, I worked with um, Callum and I worked with Christian and uh, this, this, and I think, no right no. to be honest right. exactly though i mean if you didn't get on well with them then you're not going to get on well with me so right yeah so you know that's just uh that's just the industry that we're in though i think it's everyone's seeking that seeking that like the answer and a, a lot of what people are seeking is just validation really mm -hmm. they just they just really want to hear what they already are thinking, right? They just want someone to tell them that what they're doing or thinking is what they should be doing. That's really it. Yeah. Or people do like to gossip as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I know people are, they'll send me something and I'm like, I don't know who that is. I don't know what's going on. What are you, what are you trying to tell me? You have to be more specific because I don't pay any attention. <laughs> usually look at this drug stack so-and-so gave this person so i don't give a fuck man. like right <laughs> whatsapp message that could have been anyone but anything it doesn't matter it's uh the thought process has changed a little bit since the uh facebook group days yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone's just yeah everyone's just arguing with each other i'm like hey, get the fuck out of here I can't think of anything worse. That's pure. People still do it though. You know, there's one in there's one oh. person on Instagram I can think of very specifically. That basically, whole thing is either talking about themselves or arguing with other people on their posts. I can't think of a worse well, way to live. There's whole podcasts. There's whole podcasts based around like bashing other people, and they say, "Oh, we're just warning the industry." I'm like, "You're not." This is right. I saw this the other day. I saw You're not this. warning. Like, <laughs> Yeah. You're not warning anyone. You're just virtue signaling. And when really you're just trying to make yourself feel better because you probably do the same shit. Yeah, that, that's concerning, actually. That's a good point. I, we obviously won't say who, but I did see this on YouTube the other day that there's a podcast that has this, um, you know, poor coach experiences thing. And I thought, holy moly, like that could ruin somebody's career for something that may or may not be true. Right. Um, yeah. Of course. You're getting, you're getting a disgruntled client that's calling in about something that you're not, I guarantee you're not getting the full story of. Of course not. Right? It's like, what in, in what world does that even sound like a good idea? That's, you no, know? No, that's so it's a reflection uh, on the host either. You know, if you've got... No, it looks... You can't be that busy. You can't be that busy as a coach if you've got time to be listening to disgruntled messages about other coaches. No, it's just, it's bizarre to me. It's like a, it's just a, it really is more of a psychology thing. Like it's just like really bizarre, narcissistic kind of weird trait, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I even had, you'll laugh at this one. So I even had uh, during, 
this would have been during the summer. So, you know, my client, Derek, the guy that comes and trains with me some. Yeah. Big dude. Uh, so some, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. So he, he was in prep and he had posted a picture with Matt Chrisman, the, the uh, massage guy, right? The neurosomatic guy that we had on. So yeah. it, it was like a week out. And it was a weird side angle and he was fully depleted before we loaded or anything. And he was kind of hunched over and he looked flat. So somebody had gone, <laughs> I laughed at this, although this is so bizarre. Somebody had gone <laughs> out of their way to screenshot this. And I don't know who it was. Someone sent it to me, but I don't think they are the one that actually did it. You know what I mean? Someone else had sent it to them, but anywho, took that picture and went all the way back to his Instagram and found a off-season picture with him in a front double bicep all blown up, right, big. And, yeah. and, and keep in mind, the contest photo, he was standing there completely relaxed. And they put him side by side and said, man, is this guy's gear fake? What? Uh, and I'm like, you never prepped I'm like, person before. didn't he win the show? I'm like, yeah, well, he won the show and he filled out, you know, and everything, and he looked, he looked great. And I'm like, there you go. what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> like, dude, what possessed somebody to think that could like take the time to do that? Yeah, um, it's, man, it's like weird. That's just fucking bizarre behavior. The trophy does the talking, bro. <laughs> <sighs> just, it's just such like. It's just such bizarre behavior to me. And, you know, when we talk about a lot of the stuff that's happened in the industry, um, like health and people dying and like all the, you know, all this terrible shit. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I just don't think anyone cares or even like wants to acknowledge any of it. No, I had, like, a, I had a similar one recently with, um, you know, Scott Swench. Um, yeah, I think it believes, I believe so. Yeah, so like went to the qualifiers and everybody had him pick to win. But we didn't bring like we didn't really try to bring his best physique there. He was four weeks out of the finals. I just assumed him just showing up he'd get um the qualification. Um and he did. He got fourth at the show, but he was the favourite to win. And you know, even friends were messaging me like, dude, what happened there? Like, I think you're a bit off on that one. And blah, blah, blah. you know, there's a lot of this. Um, don't think he's going to make it. You know, it's the first prep with me. Um, don't know if Joe's brought him in right or whatever. I saw loads of it, man. But we went to the finals last week and he won. So there you go. Who remembers qualifier? No, it's... Uh, people are... It's yeah, always, that's yeah. a fair play to Scott, man. He didn't even, didn't even have a slight knock about it. Trusted the plan 100%. And uh, there we yeah. go. Won the, won the finals, which was the show we were going for. So, yeah, and just, just like this, you know, people were talking about your man. And there you go, he wins. So, at the end of the day, the work does the talking. People hire a coach because they want to win their show. And, and you know, right. not because they want to look good a week out. No. <laughs> Yeah, internet's the, the bodybuilding kind of like persona and, and psychology is just a really fucking bizarre world. I just kind of wonder if people go through their day and and that's and they just scroll and they they look at. It. I mean, look how gullible people are. Like, post a picture of some pro that's all filtered and it's like, 
weird and weird angles, or whatever. Oh, looking the best ever. I'm like, how so? Yeah. Like, yeah. what are you fucking talking about? Yeah. What are you like? What are you even talking about? Anyhow, all right. Let's finish these, the rest of this real quick. That was <laughs> we talked about that. Was that was useful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh god, that's the stuff that. <laughs> This stuff sometimes like, how do people even get through their day? It's weird. Um, any unique supplements that you guys see as underrated for health performance or stress? Maybe something that you, that's what he asked. So maybe something that like a supplement that you find especially useful, maybe that not many people use. I don't know if there is any. Um, I, I think, um, Antioxidants, supplemental antioxidants is something that a lot of bodybuilders are sleeping on, I think. Okay. Like, I, I don't personally feel like we can achieve our desired antioxidant intake, or I should say elevated requirements of antioxidants to quench the oxidative stress that bodybuilders drive dietarily only. So, you know, things like melatonin as an antioxidant, Vitamin. It's a great one. Yep. Ubiquinol. NAC, taurine, a good ECGC. You know, rather than looking at ergogenic aids directly or stress management aids directly, just pulling down systemic oxidative stress will have a perceived effect on your progress and your well-being. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that that's, yeah, antioxidants in general is that's what, a good I, one. what I would put out, yeah. No, I like that. I, and I, I use, I'm going to say I use antioxidants, but I, I like to make sure that we have a pretty high antioxidant, you know, employment, I guess, because mm -hmm. the idea of antioxidants versus oxidative stress would be you want a higher antioxidant ratio versus your oxidative stress ratio. And that's what prevents things like oxidative damage. Yeah. Right. So yeah, no, I like that. That's great. Uh, and I like that you mentioned some other things like antioxidants, not just like taking vitamin C or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's see, man, anything, man, any health supplements that are underrated. You stole, you stole a good one that are underrated. Um, huh, man, I have so many. So many supplements. Holy shit. I'm looking at my supplement drawer right now. I'm staring at it. So I'm trying to think if there's anything that maybe that I take or have clients take that is not commonly used because everything is so contextual. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one, and this will be more specific to maybe males and eh, not just males females too but especially people are eating high quantities of food um, as they get older is supporting uh, stomach acid requirements through using betaine hcl so that's one that i like that not a lot of people do um, and end up they end up with things like GERD, you know GERD s reflux pretty common um end up with things like H. pylori overgrowth, SIBO, all of those things. A lot of that boils down to uh, low stomach acid and inability to digest food. 
So I know a lot of bigger guys that acid reflux is common and then they get prescribed like proton pump inhibitors and all that. So that would be one, man, there's a probably hundreds that I could potentially name, but that would be one that I use with a lot of people. Yeah, man. I, think cool. I would agree with that. Sweet. Awesome. Cool. Uh, I think we have one more and the asks. Let's see. Yes, last one. They asked about vitamin D. They were said vitamin D deficiency. They were deficient, but feeling severe nausea and sleepiness. Nausea and sleepiness when I take the supplement, even low doses of 2000 I use. That is a it is a low dose, rather. That's weird because I've only heard of that like nausea from hypercalcemia. Uh, I can never say the word hypercalcemia. Hypercalcemia, yeah. yeah. I know what you're. I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> the opposite. Um, well, usually like vitamin D. Vitamin D toxicity. Don't know why I can't speak. Leads to hypercalcemia, I believe. Um, sleepiness i've never heard of yeah i mean this might be a case of correlation and not causation or there's something in the supplement that got an acute intolerance to maybe the, the oil that it's suspended in or whatever yeah you know i've i've heard of vitamin d3 like a side effect being nausea vomiting constipation like stuff like that or diarrhea but i don't I personally have never seen it. I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying it can't happen. And I, when someone tells me something, I either think, A, maybe I haven't seen it, or B, they, it's caused by something else. You know what I mean? So, um, and 2000 I use is not much at all. I, I mean, I'm having people supplement with, three, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 even in some cases. So that's not much. I would say definitely maybe it's a timing thing, depending on when you're taking it with food, without food. Um, even one little thing I've even seen with people is like taking supplements after meals versus before meals, you know, because a lot of times you take it after a meal or at the end of a meal, you have all this like sitting on top where this at, you know, and the acid is churning and then they start getting sick from it. Right. Or they burp things up or whatever. So yeah, that's, that is a, a possible side effect for sure. Try, try other forms. I mean, use D3 and pill, use it in liquid, um, rectally. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, you could, well, why not try it, man? It works. Yeah, just do an enema. Just get you one of those. Just get you like a, like a little one of the little uh, enema squirty things that looks like a douche, right? Like the vaginal douche, and just put your liquid vitamin D in there, stick it in your ass, squirt it in, good to go. Or just lay outside all day naked. Or that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Some. Yep. Some... Well, you don't want to lay outside all day naked. Not here. Not right now. It's too cold. No, no, there might be sufficient light exposure. Yeah, I do. 
my sun lamp's out. My windows are open. This morning is funny because I, that's our last question, by the way. But this morning I had gotten up earlier. Um, and generally if I get up now, because it's, it's, it takes so long to get light. So mm. I'll actually wear my blue light blockers until it starts getting light. Mm. You know, because I just like to stay on that, like that schedule. Yeah. So that's one thing. And now, now I'm kind of thrown off because it's our time will change. Yours already changed, I think, but ours changes this weekend. So it's going to get dark at like five, you know, 5 PM. And it's like, well, do I need to, do I need to do anything? Do I need to block blue light? Do I need to put my, my raw optics on yet? Or should I wait till 8 PM? <laughs> right. But it's, it's crazy how that works because you get tired at night. Oh yeah. You know, you get tired when it gets dark. So lots of seasonal affective disorder coming. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's that time, isn't it? I'm starting to see it with clients. Maybe we could do our next episode on seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. That'd be cool, man. Yeah. 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 That, that's a good idea actually. And, um, do you know Tips what? Tricks. There's, um, I've got a special guest for that one. That I'll bring on. So I've got someone who, uh, okay. is an expert cool. in the area. I won't say the name. It'd be a surprise. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That'd be awesome. We'll plan well, on that. Then. Another cool guest to bring on, um, maybe before we do that, is a, a flexibility and mobility specialist that's got some interesting stuff to put out there on bodybuilders and active and passive ranges and things like this. So, um, sure. Are they are they a bodybuilder or no? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was chatting to them last week, thinking, "Damn, I need to get this on the podcast." Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that would be great. So a couple good episodes lined up then. Yes, sir. Is that um, all the questions, is it? That's it. Good cool. To go. We'll leave it there. I need to go and pick Jazz up from her TAM as she is competing tomorrow. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, thank you for the great questions. Please do check out the sponsor links below. Please do tag us on Instagram, post us to your stories. We always appreciate that. Hope you all enjoyed. We'll catch you next week. Peace.